Hello everybody and welcome back to our podcast slash YouTube series where we are reviewing every single chapter of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Today we're talking about chapter 3, The Letters from No One. Just firstly, before we get into this chapter, I just wanted to mention I've tried something a little bit different with my note-taking system this time. So, if you can remember from the last episode, I had made my notes literally months before I got round to recording the video. And as much as I like to think I know these books quite well, uh, it caught me out a couple of times. Sometimes I just was reading through my notes while I was making the podcast and I was thinking, hmm, what was I thinking here? Or, oh, I forgot that bit and it caught me off guard a little bit. So, instead what I've done is I've literally gone to the complete extreme opposite and I was up until half twelve last night making these notes. So, they're freshly sort of in my brain and hopefully it's just going to make for a much smoother read and I'm not going to be caught out and I can remember everything I actually thought while I was reading through the chapter so I hope that works better. Secondly I remembered if you're watching this on YouTube you'll know that uh, I've made a new sort of background for the video so my face is in the middle of the screen with some stuff surrounding it that I mentioned in the last episode I've just added the podcast logo a picture of the Sorcerer Stone version of the book my YouTube logo and my YouTube name and Twitter name but I never actually mentioned what the actual backdrop itself was for the for the new background so I'm not sure how much of it you can see and how much is covered up by my face but it is if you couldn't already work out the potions classroom I thought that would be a nice little backdrop for the first film uh, sorry for the first book because in the film obviously there's a very famous scene where we have the first potions lesson and we meet Snape and also Snape is a very key character as we're going to learn throughout this book he's involved a lot especially in this one really compared to a lot of them and he is actually uh, my favourite character in Harry Potter, he's my favourite written person and we'll get to talk about that so much more and how awesome the character of Snape is throughout this series. So I thought that'd be a fun little backdrop for this book, but I thought it'd be a fun little thing to do in the comments and, and on Twitter and everything. If people could drop me some suggestions, what do you think the new background should be when we move on to the Chamber of Secrets book? Maybe it could be the flying car, maybe it should be uh Gildroy Lockhart I don't know I'm, I'm open to suggestions but let's let's make it a thing that we change up the backdrop to something very different for all the new books that we do so without further ado a little bit less a little bit shorter of an intro than I'm normally used to I normally ramble for ages but let's do a quick little recap of the last chapter which was chapter two the vanishing glass we jumped 10 years in the future from where we were in chapter one and we were now meeting 10 year old Harry who was living in a really sort of dull depressing life with the Dursleys. Dudley obviously their favourite son was celebrating his birthday. He'd got loads of presents and was still complaining that he didn't have enough and his su surprise for his birthday was a trip to the zoo which Harry wasn't meant to go on but the woman who looks after him on the street Mrs Fig had um, had she broken her leg. She, she couldn't take him. She couldn't take him so Harry had to come with them on the zoo trip with Dudley and his best friend Piers and they go to the reptile house and they find a snake. Dudley wants the snake to move and the snake just won't respond to him. But when Harry goes up to it, the snake seems to have a conversation with him. He doesn't speak, but he's nodding his head and can obviously understand what Harry's saying. Suddenly, Dudley comes over, he punches Harry out of the way and the glass that's stopping the snake from escaping vanishes. The snake escapes and it apparently thanks Harry and says that it's on its way to Brazil. We then cut back and Harry receives a big punishment. He's locked in his cupboard for something that he doesn't think he's got anything to do with. But to us, the readers, this was a big clue that perhaps there's something 
maybe magical about this boy because let's face it glass just doesn't completely vanish like that so that was a little short recap of the chapter if you haven't seen us properly go through it in full detail make sure you go and check out the last episode and check out chapter one while you're there so you can experience everything and start going but without further ado chapter three the letters from no one so the escape of the brazilian boa constrictor earned harry his longest ever punishment by the time he was allowed out of his cupboard again, the summer holidays had started, and Dudley had already broken his new cine camera, crashed his remote control aeroplane, and first time on his racing bike, knocked down old Mrs Fig as she crossed Privet Drive on her crutches. Harry was glad school was over, but there was no escaping Dudley's gang, who visited the house nearly every single day. Piers, Dennis, Malcolm and Gordon were all big and stupid, but as Dudley was the biggest and stupidest of the lot, he was the leader. The rest of them were all quite happy to join in Dudley's favourite sport, Harry hunting. How nasty of them. This was why Harry spent as much time as possible out of the house, wandering around and thinking about the end of the holidays, where he could see a tiny ray of hope. When, some, when September came, he would be going off to secondary school, and for the first time in his life, he wouldn't be with Dudley. Dudley had a place at Uncle Vernon's old school, Smeltings. Pierce Polkis was going there too. Harry, on the other hand, was going to Stonewall High, the local comprehensive. Dudley thought this was very funny. So straight away, following on from what we were talking about in the last chapter, there's obviously a favourite son in the house. I don't even know if you'd call Harry a son. I guess he's kind of an adopted son, but the fact that he's obviously going to the local comprehensive school and Dudley is going to what I presume is a paid private school. Now, Straight away, I don't know what other people think about this, but obviously we, we don't really know the the Dursley's financial situation. Obviously, Mr. Obviously Vernon Dursley works at a drills company, Drunnings, and Ampertunia, we presume, is unemployed. I don't think it said in Chapter 1 that she has a job, and I don't think she's picked one up ever since. So I'm not imagining that they're sort of made of money. Uh, so I suppose you could argue that perhaps maybe they could only afford for one child to go through private school. But I know personally, if I was a parent and I was in that situation, I had two children and I could only afford to put one of them through, I'd probably not put either of them through. And maybe that's harsh, but I feel like that would just be really showing favouritism to, towards one. So personally, I would say, you know, look, we'll save the money and I'll put it towards your future education, university, maybe towards both of you buying a house rather than I'm going to put one of you through private school, one through comprehensive. So... I don't know, I think this to me just is another massive indication of who the favourite son is and very, very unfair, but it's nice that Harry can sort of see something that makes him excited about it, you know, at least he's thinking, well, he gets to escape Dudley, you know, maybe I'll make some new friends in this school because he's obviously had no luck in his old school because no one was allowed to be friends with Harry because it would upset Dudley, who was kind of the main bully, so... Little does Harry know he's got quite a lot more to be excited about and, you know, he will be going to a different school, but maybe not Stonewall High. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute. So obviously Dudley's very, very amused by this idea. Dudley was taken into London to buy a new school uniform. Harry was left at Mrs Figg's. However, as he says, it was actually not a bad trip to Mrs Figg's compared to normal. She'd broken her leg so, she, so he could watch TV and eat chocolate that did say several years old but i presume he's not really given much chocolate at the dursleys anyway so old chocolate's better than no chocolate i suppose um also we talk about harry's uniform now i i mean my school that i went to we had a set uniform that we had to wear but in this situation harry wandered into the kitchen area 
and saw Ampetunia dying what he described to look as giant elephant skin, I believe. Um, old elephant skin, sorry. Uh, it's not. It's Dudley's old clothes, which Aunt Petunia is using a big stick and she's stirring it around and she's dyeing it grey to be Harry's new uniform, which I just think is very unfair because, I mean, it's not even giving him the chance to go and make friends. I mean, let's be fair, 11-year-old kids are ruthless. He's going to get bullied for that. You know, in a, in a, in a comprehensive secondary school, they're going to tear him to pieces for that. So it's very, very sad, really, that they don't even give him a chance. I mean, it's one thing that they don't particularly like him, but... It's almost like they actively go out of their way to make his life worse, which is a shame, really. But anyway, we cut to the next morning. Uncle Vernon is reading the paper, and he hears the letterbox go, or he hears letters go through the letterbox. And of course, he sends Harry to fetch the pope uh, to fetch the post. Uh, and on his way, he gets a nice poking from Dudley with his new smelting stick. I don't know why you need a stick for school, but. It must be some sort of fancy tradition thing, which Dudley loves, because anything that he's allowed to use that could cause pain to Harry, you'd best believe he's going to use it. Harry, So Harry goes to get the post by the front door. There's three little bits of post. There's a postcard from Vernon's sister Marge, who was off holidaying on the Isle of Wight. There was a brown envelope that seemed to look like a bill. And finally, a letter for Harry, which he was very surprised by. So Harry picked it up and stared at it, his heart twanging like a giant elastic band. No one ever in his whole life had written to him. Who would? He had no friends, no other relatives. He didn't belong to the library, so he'd never even got rude notes asking for books back. Yet here it was, a letter, addressed so plainly there could be no mistake. Mr H Potter, the cupboard under the stairs, number four, Privet Drive, Little Winging, Surrey. Now, I mean, this to me would set alarm bells off straight away. I'd be thinking, God, I mean, it, obviously the bit where they know his address isn't scary, but the cupboard under the stairs, I'd be thinking, hmm, is this a Dudley prank or have I got some sort of crazy stalker? But at 10 years old, it sort of seems unlikely. So Harry goes back through and he hands Vernon the letters. Uh, I don't think he hands him the one addressed to him. I think he hands him the other one. Uh, Vernon looks through them, he says that Marge is ill after eating a funny whelk. Now, I didn't actually know what a whelk was. Uh, I guess I'm just very uncultured. Uh, my guess is, is it a fish? Uh, if someone wants to let me know in the comments, please do, because I'm not sure. And then Dudley points out that Harry has a letter, and of course Vernon nabs it off him, so yes, he did have it. Um, so, again, this is why I, I always get so confused reading through my notes i've literally just put here read bit on page 28 starting who'd be writing to you so i have to go and find it so if i ever hesitate for a little bit that's what i'm doing but anyway who'd be writing to you sneered uncle vernon shaking the letter open with one hand and glancing at it his face went from red to green faster than a set of traffic lights and it didn't stop there within seconds it was the grayish white of old porridge P -p petunia he gra he he gasped Dudley tried to grab the letter to read it, but Uncle Vernon held it high out of his reach. Aunt Petunia took it curiously and read the first line. For a moment, it looked as though she might faint. She clutched her throat and made a choking noise. Vernon. Oh my goodness, Vernon. So obviously, they know. They know immediately it's from Hogwarts. I, I presume they've worked out that because it's addressed the cupboard under the stairs, they know it's wizards or... Um, Actually, no, I'm, I'm actually guessing that it's something to do with the letter H that's on the back. But they've pieced the puzzles together. 
it's the day that really they've probably been dreading for 10, 11 years. Uh, well, I think it'd be about 10 years they've had Harry, wouldn't it? Um, they've obviously been expecting this in the back of their minds. They probably have been trying not to accept it. But as I mentioned in the last sort of chapter, the signs were there with the vanishing glass and the hair growing back and Harry suddenly teleporting to being on top of the school and Aunt Petunia trying to put a sweater on him and it just kept shrinking. The signs were there. They can't have been that shocked. They must have been knowing it was coming. It's just, it's obviously come as a shock to them that it's finally arrived this day. So Vernon grabs Harry and Dudley and sends them both out of the room shouting at them, which is a surprise because we haven't really seen the Dursleys have a go at Dudley yet or act angry towards him. I mean, in the last chapter when he was moaning about not getting enough presents, they thought it was funny. I mean, Vernon literally said, haha, little tyke just wants his money's worth. It was like he was proud of him, but for the first time, I mean, this is what we're seeing. You know, they're perfect little boy they'd do anything for, but magic, magic is what really sets them off. Magic is what worries them and what they'll do anything to avoid anybody knowing about, and it just sends them into this panic that even Dudley's not safe. So Harry and Dudley have a little bit of a scrap to try and listen in through the keyhole. Dudley, of course, wins because he's a lot bigger than Harry and he's got a lot more fighting experience in the playground. So Dudley ends up listening through the keyhole and Harry ends up listening through the crack in the door. Sorry about that everyone, the doorbell just went. Hopefully you couldn't hear that in the video and I was able to cut it out in the edit, but do you know what? I don't think it's the worst thing in the world because it let me have a little pause and have a drink, which as we know, isn't the worst thing. Because even though I can talk and talk and talk for ages, my voice does start to go after a while. I need some more practice at this podcasting. So we're refreshed, we're watered. I did also notice, I just checked back to see that the video had recorded properly and it had. And my hair was absolutely all over the place. It looked terrible, but thankfully I'm not too precious. So I've sorted it out now and there's no way we're re-recording the video to sort that out. Unfortunately, it'll just have to look bad, but it happens. That's what happens when you have messy hair and you haven't had a haircut for a few weeks. So anyway, where were we? We were with Harry and Dudley outside. We've been thrown out into the hall, trying to listen in on Vernon and Petunia's conversation. So Vernon and Petunia were saying in a quivering voice, Look at the address. How could they possibly know where he sleeps? You don't think they're watching the house? Watching? Spying? Might be following us, muttered Uncle Vernon wildly. But what should we do, Vernon? Should we write back? Tell them we don't want? Harry could see Uncle Vernon's shiny black shoes pacing up and down the kitchen. No, he said finally. No, we'll ignore it. If they don't get an answer, yes, that's best. We won't do anything. But I'm not having one in the house, Petunia. Didn't we swear when we took him in we'd stamp out that dangerous nonsense? Now, obviously, we know he's saying he doesn't want to have a wizard in the house. Um, he clearly thinks this idea is going to work, which, as we're going to find out throughout this chapter, there's no chance. I mean, these are wizards. You know, they knew that Harry slept under the stairs. Do they really think that not responding to a letter is going to do it? I, I, do you know what? Actually, I suppose I, I think I'm wrong there because in the muggle world that we all unfortunately have to live in... Um, if you don't reply to a letter, unless it's like an important bill or something, often that kind of is the end of the situation. If you just blank someone, I mean, it's basic rules of anything. If you don't respond to a message, you normally don't have to get a reply. Uh, not in every situation, but it works quite a lot. So, no, actually, I'm wrong. I can see exactly why they've they've tried that. Anyway, later in the evening, uh, Uncle Vernon visits Harry in his cupboard, which as Harry suggests, is pretty unusual. Normally, if Harry's hidden away in his cupboard, that's good news for the Dursleys. They don't have to deal with him or see him. So everyone's happy. Well, Harry's not exactly happy, but I suppose he's probably happier in his cupboard than when he has to actually mix with them. 
Harry asks for his letter straight away, and Uncle Vernon says he's burned it, uh, and that it was probably addressed to him by mistake. Uh, Harry obviously says, no, it definitely wasn't a mistake. They not only knew who I was, but they knew where I slept. That didn't go down well. Uh, Uncle Vernon shouts silence at him before then trying to crack a little smile, which is very unusual. Um, probably even more unusual than him visiting Harry in his cupboard. Not Vernon smiling. I reckon Vernon smiles a lot when he, you know, scams someone uh, with a dodgy deal or something. But definitely smiling towards Harry is unusual. But anyway, he offers Harry Dudley's second bedroom. And when Harry asks why, he tells him to stop asking questions and take his stuff upstairs now. Obviously, he's thinking... Ah, oh, well, you know, they, they've worked out that he sleeps in the cupboard under the stairs. Maybe if we just move bedrooms, everything will go away and it'll be fine. Yeah, no, come on. Come on, Vernon. Even for you, that's poor. If they worked out he was living in the house, then they're just going to keep sending letters to the house, even if they didn't manage to work out he changed bedrooms, which, let's be absolutely fair, they 100% would have done. So the next morning, Vernon sends Dudley to get the post. Obviously, this really annoys Dudley, um, but Vernon's clearly trying to just be nice to Harry, I suppose. Uh, to which Dudley then comes back saying, there's another one. Mr. H. Potter, the smallest bedroom, number four, Privet Drive. With a strangled cry, Uncle Vernon leapt from his seat and ran down the hall, Harry right behind him. Uncle Vernon had to wrestle Dudley to the ground to get the letter from him, which was made difficult by the fact that Harry had grabbed Uncle Vernon around the neck from behind. After a minute of confused fighting in which, in which everyone got hit by a lot of the um, smelting stick, Uncle Vernon straightened up, gra gra gasping for breath with Harry's letter clutched in his hand. Go to your cupboard. I mean, your bedroom, he wheezed at Harry. Dudley, go. Just go. Harry walked round and round his new room. Someone knew he had moved out of his cupboard, and they seemed to know he hadn't received his first letter. Surely that meant they'd try again, and this time he'd make sure they didn't fail. He had a plan. So Harry's plan was waking up at 6am and sneaking downstairs to wait for the postman, but unfortunately, it doesn't work. So he steps down and he hears this massive, ah, because he stood on Uncle Vernon's face, who'd been sleeping in front of the door in a sleeping bag, just to specifically stop Harry from going to get the letter. He obviously shouted at Harry and sent him through to the kitchen, and when he came back, he had three of Harry's letters, um, which I thought was a strange call from Hogwarts, because if Harry wasn't getting one of them, why would they suddenly think that sending three to the same address would work? Surely, if they were ignoring one, they'd just ignore all three. In fact, for most normal people, if I'd ignored a letter and then got three of the exact same letter, that would make me more wound up, uh, make me more inclined to ignore it. But before Harry can even say anything or say that he wants Vernon to give them to him, Uncle Vernon tears them up in front of him. So the next day, Vernon skips work, which I thought was probably quite unusual for him. I'd imagine he's quite a lazy person, you know, doesn't mind skipping work for that reason, but I think he loves money. He's so caught up in being a big member of society that... A day off work is a day where he could lose out on money. So, you know, and I think he's he's so worried about his public image. He wouldn't want people thinking he was ill and skiving. He'd want to be a proper nine-to-five worker. Uh, I, I'd imagine, even though he's lazy, I think he's so bothered about how he looks to other people. You know, even if it was just the neighbours see his car leaving early in the morning and coming in late at night, that makes him feel important. So I thought it was quite odd that he'd take the day off work 
but we realise why. He spends the day nailing up the letterbox, um, because apparently that would stop the postman, which I just thought, surely if you're the postman and they've nailed the letterbox, you either slide them under the door, leave them on sort of in front, maybe on the on the doormat outside, or probably the easiest option, ring the bell or knock on the door to just hand them their letter. So, But obviously they think this will work, or Vernon does. Petunia thinks it won't work, but Vernon says, oh, these people's minds work in strange ways, Petunia. They're not like you and me, as he tried to knock in a nail with a piece of fruitcake. So, let's be fair, he's not the smartest person. And, as I think you can probably guess now, even if you haven't read the book, wizards can be quite intelligent. Probably not all of them, but there are certainly a fair few, especially the man who happens to be running Hogwarts. He's quite a smart man, which we did go over with McGonagall and Dumbledore in Chapter 1. Now, as I've said in the last uh, episode, if this is your first podcast or episode of the youtube series um i'm actually reading at the moment out of an illustrated version of the philosopher's stone uh this wasn't necessarily the original plan i was going to read through my battered version original copy which i do still have and i did use for chapter one but unfortunately i left it at uni because i thought i'll go to uni and record some videos and it just never happens so i don't have that for now so i literally just have this illustrated version but i've been loving it the fact that i can actually just go through it I've, I've got all four of them i've never read them properly never appreciated them and i did say that for every chapter that i'm using this i'll try and show off at least one maybe two cool pictures and this is the first one i've seen that i really wanted to show off on this chapter it's just uncle vernon nailing up the letterbox and something literally just dropped out of the bottom of my, of my book i'm not sure what that was some bit of rubbish i think but as you can see vernon nailing it up i thought that was quite a cool little picture when i showed that in fact i don't even know if i've properly shown like the front and the back of the book before they are really cool i think that i think they're quite i think they're like 30 pounds each they might have gone down now since when they first released but definitely for all potterheads i'd recommend picking these up because they are very very cool so let's move on a little bit uh to friday now now i don't really know when the sort of timeline of days was first mentioned but the paragraph just starts off with on friday so on Friday, 12 letters arrived, pushed underneath the door, which was what I thought would happen. Obviously, as we'll find out in a minute, it, it wasn't the postman who did it, but I thought, surely if the letterbox is closed, that would be your next idea to just go under the door if there's a crack. Um, with also a few pushed through the small window with a downstairs toilet. Maybe that's too far, but they obviously want Harry to get this letter. Vernon skips work again, which is probably even more unusual. At this point, the neighbours are thinking, oh, there's something seriously wrong with this man. Well... I think there is something seriously wrong with him, but not necessarily just some sort of illness. So he burned all the new letters and boarded up the cracks around the front and back door so no one could get in or out. Now, I had two questions about this. Firstly, how stupid is this man? Because they need food. What do they actually think? What's actually going through his head here? They're just never going to leave the house? They're never... like He's obviously in a panic, but come on, use your brain. Uh, the second thing I said was, why wouldn't you board up the cracks on the windows too? I mean, they literally pushed them through the downstairs toilet window this morning. You know, you can board up the doors. They're just going to use the window again. Come on. Think about it, Vernon. Use your brain, please. So anyway, that was Friday. On Saturday, there were 24 letters. They were rolled up and hidden inside two dozen eggs that the very confused milkman handed to Petunia through the living room window, because again, he didn't cover up the windows. Um, Vernon then made furious calls complaining to the post office in the dairy, and Petunia shredded the, le the letters in the food mixer. I mean, this is just so funny to me, because at this point, surely you just you give up, because you're thinking, there's absolutely nothing we can do. They're literally just going to keep on bringing them. However... 
we then cut to Sunday morning, which I presume the reason that we started suddenly talking about the days, oh, now's Friday, now Saturday, is because we wanted to build up to Sunday because Vernon's in a very good mood. Why? Because there's no post on Sunday. Now, a couple of things. I think that's slightly changed nowadays. I think you can get post on a Sunday. I think it's a little bit more common now. And secondly, even when this book was made, is that a thing that was sort of all over the world? Um, I'm not really sure why it's a thing on a Sunday, but definitely in the UK, I remember when I was younger, you didn't get any posts on, the, on a Sunday. I feel like that's changed now with stuff like Amazon Prime. I don't think it's unheard of, but I could be wrong. I don't really order much stuff online, so correct me in the comments if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure here nowadays you can do, but definitely back in 1991, you wouldn't get any post on a Sunday. It was a national day off for the post office, shall we say. So they sat round having breakfast when suddenly uh, 30 or 40 at least letters start flying out through the chimney. They're hitting Vernon on the back of the head. They're going absolutely everywhere. Vernon's raging. Harry's doing everything he can to try and grab a letter. Vernon grabs him and chucks him out into the hall and he loses it. He exclaims, that's it. We're going away. Just pack some clothes. No arguments. That's it. He's had it. Um, now, I guess I can't work out if this is a sane idea or not. In some ways, it's mental, but I guess... Maybe in his head he's thinking, you know, if we just flee, they're never going to find us. But obviously, they knew where Harry's bedroom was. They they know everything. They were all they were always going to find him. But I can slightly understand why he thought he could escape them, maybe. But as we're about to see, it didn't work. So they sped off ten minutes later down towards the motorway. Vernon had a little bit of a go at Dudley for taking so long to try and pack his TV. So again, we're seeing that. Dudley is absolutely not safe. The favourite child, as soon as magic's involved, it doesn't matter. I think Vernon would probably fall out with Petunia. I think he'd fall out with anybody over this, because um, it means that much to him trying to escape it. So they're flying off towards the motorway, but every now and then Vernon will just randomly go in the other direction to, as he says, try to shake them off, almost like they've got a tracker on his car or something that's going to lag out if he turns a corner quickly. I'm not too sure, but he's obviously in a panic. Eventually they stopped at a gloomy looking hotel on the outskirts of the big city, which I presume means London. I don't know why they didn't say London, but I, big city it is then. Uh, they stay the night, uh, Dudley and Harry share a room, however, at breakfast in the morning, the hotel owner comes up to them and asks if one of them is Mr H Potter, as there are about a hundred letters addressed to him at the front desk. Um, the address now on the new letters says Mr H Potter, room 17, Railview Hotel. Cokeworth. I don't know where Cokeworth is. Maybe it's, I don't know if that's around London. Maybe I'm completely wrong and it's a different city. I just presumed when it said big city, it meant London. But again, if someone's from Cokeworth, maybe you can let me know because I'm really not good on that sort of thing. I'm from nowhere near there. So not a clue, unfortunately. So Harry tries obviously to go up and grab the letter, but Vernon knocks his hand out of the way and says he'll take them all. And with that being said, obviously, as you can imagine, Vernon decides it's time to leave. Uh, he drove to a massive forest first. He looked around, shook his head and drove off. He did the same thing with a plough field, halfway across a suspension bridge and at the top of a multi-storey car park. Obviously trying to find anywhere that is hidden enough that no one could get to them. But none of these are working for him. Eventually they reach the coast where Vernon locks them in the car and disappears off. Uh, at this point they're listening to the radio and we find out it's Monday, which makes sense because yesterday was Sunday. And this is where Harry clocks that tomorrow, Tuesday, is his 11th birthday, which is nice. Uh, but he says it's never really something that special. It's not like the Dursleys celebrate it at all. Uh, last year, the Dursleys had given him a coat hanger and a pair of Uncle Vernon's old stocks. 
But hey, as he says, still, you don't turn 11 every day. So again, another example of poor old Harry finding the positives in what is a pretty depressing life, I suppose. So anyway, Vernon had gone off. He'd locked them all in the car and he'd gone off when they'd reached the coast exploring. Uh, but he comes back smiling a little while later, carrying a long, thin package and tells everyone he's found the perfect place. Uh, he points towards a large rock out to sea, housing the most miserable shack you could imagine on top of it. He says a storm's forecast for tonight, and an old toothless gentleman has agreed to lend them his boat to get out there. They get in the boat, and after what seemed like hours, they reach the rock. Now, obviously, Vernon's thinking there's a storm. Um, no one's going to be able to make it out there, you know, surely. Although, I guess, I mean, I, I'm imagining when they dropped Harry off at the Dursleys, it mentioned somewhere in Dumbledore's letter that we've spoken about so much and tried to work out what's in it, that Harry arrived on a flying motorbike. Maybe that detail wasn't relevant enough, but surely they would have clocked somewhere the Dursleys that wizards can fly. And really, uh, in a storm, you know, that shouldn't make too much of a difference. Certainly, like, apparating and stuff. I just, I'm really interested to know, like, to what extent the Dursleys understand magic. What their knowledge about it. How much they know that wizards are capable of and what they can and can't do. Um, because that would probably make a huge difference as to how sort of scared they were about it. There's a bit, obviously, for those who've read the series in the start of the next book, where over the course of the summer, they're questioning the magical abilities of harry i'm not going to go into details of it but those who know who know so it's interesting to know like what what do they actually understand about the wizarding world and what do they not understand what do what do they just not want to acknowledge so anyway they reached this shack the inside was horrible it smelled strongly of seaweed the wind whistled through the gaps in the wooden walls and the fireplace was damp and empty there were only two rooms Uncle Vernon's rations turned out to be a packet of crisps each and four bananas. He tried to start a fire, but the empty crisp packets just smoked and shriveled up. I totally didn't just drop my microphone over trying to lift up the book, but I thought I would show this picture of Vernon as well while they're rowing over, because I think that one's quite a cool-looking one as well. Um, but obviously, even though it's not the nicest setting, Vernon is in a good mood because he feels like he's outsmarted them. He feels like he's escaped from the wizards. Um, Petunia finds some mouldy blankets and makes up a bed for Dudley on the moth-eaten sofa. She and Vernon went to the lumpy bed next door and Harry was left to find the softest bit of floor he could and curl up to the thinnest, most ragged blanket. Harry stays awake through the storm, counting down the minutes to his birthday on Dudley's watch and wondering where the letter writer was now. Five minutes to go. Harry heard something creak outside. He hoped the roof wasn't going to fall in, although he might be warmer if it did. Four minutes to go. Maybe the house in Privet Drive would be so full of letters when they got back that he'd be able to steal one somehow. Three minutes to go. Was that the sea, slapping hard on the rock like that? And two minutes to go. What was that funny crunching noise? Was the rock crumbling into the sea? One minute to go and he'd be 11. 30 seconds, 20, 10, 9. Maybe he'd wake Dudley up just to annoy him. 3, 2, 1. Boom. The whole shack shivered and Harry sat bolt upright staring at the door. Someone was outside knocking to come in. And that is the end of chapter 3. Next week, we're going on to chapter four, The Keeper of the Keys. I'm not going to give anything away, but obviously we are going to meet the man outside the door. So 
I'm sure everybody knows who it is, but for the sake of spoilers for the people who may be listening to this and reading the book for the first time, I'm not going to say, but I'm very, very excited to meet this person and we'll be talking all about it next Friday, 6pm UK time. Thank you everybody for watching and listening today and I will see you all soon for the next video. Goodbye.